Welcome to Category 5 Technology TV. It's episode number 623. This week we are speaking with Anusha Askuyan. She is the CEO of Ship and Shore Environmental Inc. And she's going to be talking to us about uh, how she was able to become the CEO of a large uh, company that is affecting the uh, the output, the pollution output of uh, multinational companies. And I'm really excited to hear about the technology, how they're um, creating custom solutions in-house for so many different companies to be able to, like looking at the future, reduce the emissions of these companies so that we have cleaner air down the road. Um, so we've got that interview coming up in just a couple moments' time. After that, I'm going to be showing you a really cool feature uh, that is now available on the Linux terminal. Thank you to a, uh, to a, a generous um, programmer who has given us a weather forecast for the Linux terminal that is unlike anything you've ever seen in the Linux terminal. You want to see that as well. Stick around. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Our live recordings are trusted only to solid-state drives by Kingston Technology. Revive your computer with improved performance and reliability over traditional hard drives with Kingston SSDs. Category 5 TV streams live with Telestream Wirecast and Nimble Streamer. Tune in every week on Roku, Kodi, Plex, and other HLS video players. For local showtimes, visit Category5.tv. Category5.tv is a member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Cat5.tv slash TPN. And the International Association of Internet Broadcasters. Cat5.tv slash IAIB. Welcome to the show, everybody. I'm Robbie Ferguson. I am Sasha Rickman. And before we jump into it tonight, I want to remind you, make sure you get onto our YouTube channel and click on that subscribe button. And as well, there is a bell, which is going to make sure that you get the notification every time we post a new and exciting video or when we go live. All right, so we're getting right into an interview tonight. And fact is, while I try to do my part by recycling and making sure that my e-waste is properly disposed of, there are industrial companies that pour so much pollution into the environment that it really starts to feel like, well, is my individual effort actually making a difference? Well, someone really needs, I mean, we've had this discussion before, Sasha. Mm -hmm. Like, who, who can step up and make a difference? Who can actually help those companies uh, to be able to reduce their footprint and in fact, Ship and Shore Environmental Incorporated is here with us tonight, and they're dealing specifically with those environmental issues on a grander scale using sophisticated technology to help industrial customers, so not us individuals, but the big businesses, to be able to control and reduce and even offset their air pollution. Anusha Askuyan is the CEO of Ship and Shore. Anusha, thank you so much for joining us this week. It's a great pleasure to be here with you, and thank you for the opportunity. Anusha, before we speak about the technology and how your company is combating pollution at the industrial level, I'd really like our viewers to have the opportunity to get to know you uh, on a personal level. Uh, especially at this time, I mean, STEM, STEM education is something that's very prominent today. Um, and it's not just boys uh, who are growing up with a passion for engineering and being encouraged to pursue it as well. Uh, but you got started at a very different time, and I imagine that that led to some challenges. Um, so I'd ask, what inspired you to get into the engineering field and pushed you to see it through despite cultural opposition? Um, to give you a little background about myself, um, I um, came to this country at a very young age and always with the hope and the dream of um, 
living in America and doing uh, what I love doing and uh, making a new life for myself. And as daring as it was before the revolution took place in Iran, I decided to leave and convince my parents to send me away. I always was at the sciences, but my interest in chemistry, as well as um, getting into a field where there were not very many women involved was, was of interest. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a different time, and when I was going to school, everyone was like, what do you want to do with this? Where are you going to take this? Mm-hmm. A lot of questions that I didn't even know how to answer, but I trusted my instincts of following my passion for chemistry, and eventually led me to become a chemical engineer. And um, I always had my heart set on uh, wanting to do something to make a difference. And is this something that you've always wanted to do? If I was to say I always wanted to be a chemical engineer, it's probably not correct. My um, interest in chemistry was there due to an amazing teacher I had at a very young age. Mm-hmm. Just like everyone in life, you have one hero that you, it just changes your life and your path of where you want to go. Um, but I always had a sense of entrepreneurial about what I wanted to do, and I believed in um, doing things that would be different than what a woman and a girl is supposed to do. Um, Getting into fields of studies that is very typical wasn't what I had in mind. Um, Did I want to do what I do right now? I wouldn't dream of anything else right now. (laughs) I love what I do. But uh, staying on the scientific path and staying on wanting to make a difference, I think, was always something I had in mind. Cool. So teachers, listen up. Uh, you can make a world of difference in, in a young life. Uh, Anusha, coming from a background such as yours, being born in Iran, um, would women have ever even thought about pursuing this field? Um, I believe um, before the revolution, since the country was very westernized and quite advanced in many fields of studies, and women were very involved with, with everyday life and forming what the country was about, Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would have been very possible, but I was lucky enough to leave before the revolution and um, not forgot the dreams I had. If I would have stayed there, um, it definitely would not have been possible. If I would have stayed there, at most, I could have perhaps pursued my education, but um, just work for a company or, uh, or, or make the best of my degree, uh, but to what I've made it to be now, mm-hmm. I think it would have been imp- We lost you yeah, there. Like sorry, you just been. just cut oh, out there. Sorry. sorry. If you just back up just about a, a t- 10 seconds. Sorry about that, folks. Um, I was just mentioning that even in this country, where I am and what I do yes. is um, not a very typical of what a woman would do with the education that I have. And um, I've, had, I've had quite a bit of challenge to make sure that we stay on path and um, continue with the company as I do. Uh, we're seeing a lot of change these days, but like 
back when you were getting started, what, what was really the biggest challenge that you faced, Anusha? Um, getting started, just working as a woman in the chemical engineering field at one point in time when I was hired on a, a, a major EPC company, mm -hmm. they simply wanted to meet their quota of having enough women on board. Oh, and yeah. We, I won't mention names, but that's really <laughs> what they did. And, um, and not knowing, and definitely management positions were not as readily available to the women that were chemical engineers. And advancing within a company uh, was was not as as easily as it is achieved nowadays. Mm -hmm. And I'm so happy to see so many women powerhouses and CEOs and CFOs in many fields. So getting started was was quite challenging, and I definitely had enough challenges as a CEO of uh, my company, our company here to walk into offices and introduce myself as one. And they would, if I did not introduce myself <laughs> as my title, they would always think I was the engineering secretary that came along with a bunch of oh, guys no. to present what the design was going to be. Oh no, so you have a good sense of humor about that, it seems, um, so you kind of put them in their place. I, I do, I have <laughs> a story, if you have a minute, I could tell you a company that we walked into mm -hmm. at one point in time that did not have titles on our business cards. I walked in with a number of our engineers to make a big presentation. And um, so they invited us to go in. I was the only woman. And the secretary uh, at the front office uh, showed me where the coffee was and if I wanted to get coffee for all the guys that were there. <laughs> and get ourselves situated oh, Anusha. and sit comfortable and we said nothing. A um, number of guys were with us and what I did was I, I went along and once the uh, clients walked in, uh, they would totally ignore looking me in the face and we're talking to the guys, asking everybody to make their introduction yeah. and they did. I went last. So once I introduced myself um, <laughs> and I told them that I was the CEO of the company, um, literally jaws dropped. And I, it's, it's, a, it's a moment that I always keep vivid in my mind, but I wish I had my iPhone back then. <laughs> Anusha, I'll bet that they have not forgotten that moment either. Uh, here you are. I mean, you're the CEO of the company. How did you get from where you were to here? Um... I think, uh, like everyone else, hard work, um, passion for what you want to do, um, seizing opportunities, uh, making sure you stay true to your own inner voice and doing what you really feel like is the right thing to do. And, um, and I should always definitely um, thank my stars lining up to put me where I was and, and um, uh, thanking um, all the various people and elements in life that, that gave me the opportunity. Um, it's, it, it was challenging, um, like I said at the beginning, once we um, even started the company with me at the helm of the um, company, but but over time, I think um, just staying just staying true to to what I wanted to do was was uh, was was quite important. Mm -hmm. And you you kind of set it in order. It's you got to be hardworking. You got to dedicate yourself, and then the opportunities present themselves.
Um, Anusha, before we get into learning about the actual technology, of course, we're a technology show, so we're going to get there, folks. Um, we want to learn about that tech and how you're, you're using it to help big businesses combat pollution. That's what this is about. Uh, but do you have any advice? I mean, it's not just for young people, but in particular young women, because we are in, an, in a time when like, young girls are now being able to come into uh, engineering and be encouraged to do so. And, and it's an exciting time. But for those kids who are looking at in engineering and other fields like this, what, what advice can you give them? Um, I think it is important for women and young girls um, to uh, truly not let anyone or anything get in their way of wanting to study a particular subject doing the right thing, going after what their passion is. Um, most often, even when I was growing up, I was being told, well, no, girls can't do that. Yeah. Oh, girls can't do this. It, even, even nowadays, um, we find ourselves limiting girls from certain things compared to boys. So my advice has always been, and I do go around um, universities and high schools um, whatever opportunity arises to, to encourage girls to go to scientific fields, to go to mm -hmm. engineering schools and, and um, look at it as a career because God knows we have enough girls that are in the fashion world. We have enough girls that are into what girls are supposed to do. <laughs> uh, and we definitely lack the, the brainy ones to come into the engineering field and really be the makers of what the future will, will be and will hold. Mm -hmm. um, I, and I'm really happy to see that you don't necessarily have to be a nerd in order to be an engineer. So you could, you could, you could balance um, you know, smartness with the desire of wanting to do, to do what you're, you're passionate about and um, make a success story out of it. We're speaking with Anusha Oskuyan. Uh, she's actually the CEO of Ship and Shore Environmental Incorporated. And when we return, we're going to be finding out about how their technology works, how it's making an international impact on pollution that is generated by big industry. Stick around. Shore Environmental, we provide customized engineering solutions for air pollution abatement. We engineer, design, and fabricate environmental products and systems, including regenerative thermal oxidizers for clients that are required to collect and destroy emissions generated by their manufacturing operations. When you work with Ship and Shore, we become your strategic partner, from initial permit application to commissioning meeting the most stringent air pollution regulations. Shippenshaw matches best abatement technologies to a variety of industrial applications. We have successfully implemented equipment for manufacturing of flexible packaging, plastics, resins, fiberglass, fasteners and coated metals, food products, pharmaceuticals, electronics, as well as safety systems for barge degassing and terminal loading applications. 
Shippenshaw is an international company serving clients throughout the Americas, Europe and Asia. Our team of experts provides overall engineering and management of environmental projects to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. Always aiming to keep utility operating costs down through enhanced energy efficiency and waste heat recovery. Shippenshaw is also instrumental in recovering incentive rebates sponsored through utility providers for new and improved equipment operation. Our skilled teams are available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Contact us now for a free estimate by calling 562-997-0233 or learn more about us at shippenshaw.com. I'm speaking with Anusha Askuyan, CEO of Ship and Shore Environmental Inc. Can you perhaps explain to us lay people how your technology works, Anusha? Um, yes, Tall order, right? I, <laughs> <laughs> well, in general, um, I always say every every uh, successful person I like to think of myself as one should have a thirty-second. Um, as they used to call it, elevator pitch, as to what is it that we do. Mm. We um, are an engineering, consulting, manufacturing company that designs and fabricates and installs anti-pollution control systems for all different types of industrial facilities, all types of manufacturing facilities, Anytime anyone within any factory uh, opens up, whether it's a can of paint or a big bucket of chemicals or anything that they process to make things, mm -hmm. uh, we can potentially be there and be helpful in removing any of the pollutants that comes off of the wow. And that is done by um, designing the systems to internally capture and collect all of the pollutants that are usually um, lighter than, they're heavier than air, but light up in the environment where workers are working. Mm -hmm. And we take it all outside to our system where in return we have clean air coming out of the chimneys or stack of our units. Wow. And you've used the, the word design a few times in your response. Um, so are we talking, are these custom designed um, like uh, uh, units that you're using? Um, yes, they are. Every single project we have is custom designed based on the need for uh, for the facility for any manufacturing operation. Okay. Mm -hmm. And even if manufacturing facilities do the same things, no two systems would be exactly identical because wow. the nature of the business may be different. The size of the requirements may be different. And also their geographic location as to where they are in the country mm -hmm. or even outside of the country dictates what type of technology we will be utilizing to remove um, the pollutants from the facility. Okay. Um, so, Anusha, in your years of working with pollution control, um, what changes, uh, in particular, I'm thinking about like improvements in technology, uh, what have you seen that really has been exciting for you to be personally a part of? Um, I, I can um, candidly and honestly say that in the olden days where removal of these pollution was a um, problem at hand for major 
say refineries, chemical plants, petrochemical plants, right. they were not so concerned about removing them efficiently or destroying them efficiently. The, the goal was let's get rid of them. Yeah, just and bury it. Over this, yes, <laughs> over the years, especially with a lot of technology that we have developed in-house, mm-hmm. we have been able to come up with ways to make this not only the most efficient where you are not spending a lot of um, utility, including gas and electricity, to get rid of this, but also design them such that you could bring back a lot of the heat that becomes available from these type of units back oh. to the plant. So the element of heat recovery, cost conscious and utility consciousness has been one of the main things that we focused on. Very cool. So what interest, uh, what industries um, are actually benefiting from your pollution control systems? Um, in, in California in particular, the mecca of air pollution control, because of the very tight controls due to EPA and the local agencies, mm-hmm. um, any one particular manufacturing facility or uh, operation that puts out over some areas four tons of emissions or 10 tons of emission is subject to having to do a control equipment. And that could um, really be any factory that is processing a, a chemical of some sort to build their equipment. Yeah. If they operate five days a week and only one shift could easily be over that. So this is legislation um, so, that is in place to say that they have to have some kind of pollution control? It is, yes. Okay. They do, or else the plants are not given permits to operate, or they're not even given a city permit to oh, open wow. up. So it has to become part of that. Some other parts of the country are a little bit more relaxed, mm-hmm. but California, I always use the example, if you flew into LAX, say, 20, 25 years ago, you could not see five feet ahead of you hmm. or in front of you because it was just this yellow haze all mm-hmm. over the place and it was extremely polluted. Right now, Los Angeles has really improved tremendously and is among one of the cleaner cities uh, compared to what it used to be. So what we have done, uh, which I am so proud to always share, is we truly have cleaned up the air in the um in the vicinity in Los Angeles, LA Basin, San Diego, and most of California due to more stringent rules, which are now becoming the rule um, in the country everywhere else. Wow. And that really brings me to like thinking about our, like, our, our rising concerns about the impact on the environment long term. Um, and, and so we are seeing pollution control regulations becoming more strict. Um, not just in California, but on a global scale. Um, have these new rules had a, a big impact on your clients' industries? Um, one, of the, one of the areas that I'm always very um, concerned about is to make sure we do the right thing for all existing manufacturing facilities. And I always tell them, just putting a pollution control does not have to break your back. If you design for it properly, it can really benefit not only the environment, and it can be very cost prohibitive in terms of trying to bring some heat back, trying to make them all efficient. So 
and I'm a big proponent of keeping industry and manufacturing alive in the U.S. Uh, that is what the country was built on years ago, and I hate for manufacturing sector to leave U.S. and go elsewhere. So the impact um, that I see, uh, there are clients that fear of what this may cost us and just avoid it totally. It does not have right. to be as uh, expensive as they think. And other parts of the world are beginning to adopt these rules and regulations as well. Sure, and we got to look at the big picture too. I love, I never even had the thought that, like, hey, move these things to Canada and keep our, our factories warm, you know? Um, not so much of a problem in California, but certainly up here we could use it. Um, how does Ship and Shore help meet the challenges that these new rules have presented? Because it seems to be ever-changing. We're always hearing about how the regulations are just always being revised. Um, how do you help your customers uh, deal with that? Um, I, I do have the um, opportunity to serve at the um, board at South Coast Air Quality Management District locally, which is a, a large institution for developing a lot of the rules that um, the whole world follows. And I'm part of the back group, best available control technology. So we try to stay ahead of what is coming down the pipeline, what is achievable, what is feasible and try not to really kill the industry by enforcing the most stringent rules on them. Mm. Um, trying to stay ahead of the game, trying to design for future rather than what you need to do right this minute. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I've always uh, advised a lot of my clients is try to plan ahead. You have a manufacturing, you naturally want to grow, so try to do this all at once and not necessarily have to do it every time you add a piece of equipment or expand your operation. And lastly, I, one of the things I always mention to people is, please take a look at uh, what we do to air and air pollution. We have no geographic boundaries in yeah. the air. Anything we do anywhere, even if we were to send all of this to Canada, it'll eventually come back to us. Anything they do in China, It'll eventually reach us in other parts of the world. So we just cannot say it's not my problem. Let somebody else worry about it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Anusha, how disruptive are the regulations um, and these, like, just the changes that are constantly required? Uh, and and with that, you know, thinking about all the changes that companies have to make in order to comply with the regulations. Uh, is there really going to be a big impact on the air quality long term? Um, I think, well, I look at disruptions in two ways. Um, there will not be a disruption in the operations and in the manufacturing sector if they plan for what the pollution control for their facility should be in the long run, from the get-go of the design phase. Mm. If they're existing and they need to adopt, um, ad adapt to the new rules, um, there are ways to, to go about and design a system that would be completely suitable for them. There are a lot of fa facilities that are a mom-and-pop shop. They're smaller. However, they have to live with the new rules and regulations. So we do design systems that are much more compact, takes really? care of their needs, but doesn't break their, their back. Right. It's um, that scalable. So, wow. Yeah, it is scalable. It's not one size fits all. Mm -hmm. It can easily be done for any 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 facility. 
And um, as long as they have the will to do the right thing, there is a way to, to manage this for them. And I am a big advocate speaking on behalf of the industry with a lot of agencies around to make sure they don't come down with the toughest rules for areas where they're just not able to do it or the technology is not there yet because they can sometimes get a little little uh, crazy, mm -hmm. I should say, by wanting to enforce the worst and the, the technology just is not there to, to support it yet. I see. Um, aside from our interview today, um, I have uh, noticed that you've been getting a lot of media coverage, uh, Ship and Shore Environmental, uh, with your growth into uh, an international presence, uh, and, and really making a, a big dent on the environmental impact of multinational businesses as well. Um, can you just kind of elaborate on that? Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, well, uh, we were recently, a few years ago, about three years or so ago, we yes. um, started working closely with China EPA as they were developing their rules. And they were trying to uh, model some of the rules they had after what we've done in California. Mm -hmm. uh, for your information, um, SCAQMD is referred to as the Mecca of Air Pollution Worldwide. So we started working with them, sharing some of the experiences and as a result, we've done a number of projects in China now. Mm -hmm. There is always a start. We won't be able to clean that country in, in, in a matter of a week or a month or a year. Sure. But a start is a good good way to get going. Uh, we have recently noticed that there's a lot of demand in other uh, Far East countries. We just started having presence in Thailand. Mm -hmm. So as the rules and regulations are tightening up, around the world and G20 is encouraging other countries to step up and do the right thing. I think there's only uh, a lot of potential growth for our company as well as for the world um, to look at things globally rather than locally. Sure. And that is what we really need to focus on. Um, how do we impact the world globally uh, with, with, with respect to at least the pollution and the environmental issues. And I think um, uh, global warming and uh, climate change are hopefully a topic for another discussion. <laughs> <laughs> um, Anusha, you mentioned that there are some mom and pop shops and smaller businesses that are, that are benefiting from your technology, but uh, we're also talking about and taking a look at big industries, these international, multinational companies. Um, but some of these companies have been in business for a very long time. Uh, the challenge there, I'd imagine, is that changing the way that they manufacture in order to meet regulations could be extremely costly. Um, with that in mind, how is Ship and Shore Environmental helping them establish and maintain compliance with these regulations that are, again, just always changing? Um, as, um, as mentioned, uh, we do work with any size of manufacturing facilities. Um, some of the larger ones that have been there and have been doing it without keeping the environment in mind, um, either they've been approached by the local air quality as to what is their game plan moving forward. And some of the bigger companies, multinational companies, I have to say, I'm happy to see that they have adopted a new sustainability program. And part of that good, sustainability good. program has been how do you control your pollution and how do you mm -hmm. control your waste. 
So the conscious, the, the companies that are very conscious about it and want to keep the right image, right message, have adopted plans as to how do they uh, roll out the sustainability program and our activity does fall within that sustainability program as well. And if for nothing else, uh, one of the things we always say here, um, when these VOCs, volatile organic compounds, referred to as pollutants, are going out of the chimney of facilities, they all have heating value. So if they're captured and brought back to the plant, they can do their heating with what is lost. They could do um, hot water needs, it's amazing. steam needs. Wow. So there are ways to capture this. If you just think about it. Yeah, and, and those are some of the advances we've made that I really um, take pride in all the years that we have with um, some uh, amazingly brilliant people that are working with us here in the company. Awesome. And just quickly, when you speak of the manufacturing, or pardon me, the design process, are you speaking, like I'm thinking about businesses that have maybe been in business since the 1960s, and like, it, is the design process your product like can you come into a factory like that and improve their facility so that it's not uh, like so that you're offsetting the the pollution that's coming out of there um yes we are able to do that we have i have walked into some facilities believe it or not that have been there for decades wow um one thing that happens immediately is the air and the environment within the manufacturing facility becomes much, much better and a lot cleaner. Mm. So you've got happier operators, you have happier people inside the plant because till then, nothing was being done and all of this, people were are breathing the fumes in. Yeah. People are breathing. Thinking about the, the healthcare coverage. Yeah. Uh, so you have happier people inside the plant and more productive people as a result. And secondly, we have been able, we have never ever failed to design around what is existing in a plant. If they choose to move forward and be conscious about uh, handling their pollution and pollution control. Wonderful. So it can be done, and thank God for good engineering practices, we're always able to come up with a way to do it. Beautiful. Uh, Anusha, where can our viewers learn more about your technology's impact on the environment? Well, naturally, it's always great if they go to our website, which is one place we always like to get people to go visit because we have case studies, we have pictures of what has been done. We talk about different industries. Um, naturally, www.shipandshore.com, S-H-I-P-A-N-D-S-H-O-R-E.com. And um, we do have a live chat available, so if someone ever had a question, we, a lot of times we even have students that are doing papers and projects that go to our site and want to learn more. Um, we have students that become intern over summertime. Hmm. Um, so we try to keep the educational side of everything um, live and kicking at all times, as well as hoping to be able to gain more clients as a result of whether it's a brand new facility they're building, whether mm -hmm. they want to just become more aggressive in their um, environmental practices, or just, uh, just, just, just wanting to do the right thing. Fantastic. Shipandshore.com. Anusha, 
thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to share with how your company is helping to reduce the world's pollution. Keep up the great work. Thank you so very much, and thanks for the opportunity. Um, love hearing from your audience. If they do have any questions, we'll be more than happy to entertain those. And um, uh, again, thank you. Thanks, Anusha. All right, we've got to head over to the newsroom. Sasha, if you're ready. I sure am. Here are the stories we're covering this week in the Category 5.TV newsroom. A ransomware strike took down 23 government agencies in Texas. Walmart is suing Tesla's energy division after solar panels on seven of its doors caught fire. Researchers have found 85 Google Play apps with more than 8 million combined downloads that forced users to view full screen ads. Mario Kart Tour was supposed to be available in March 2019 until Nintendo delayed its release to give it a bit more polish. Now the gaming giant is finally ready to roll out and has announced an official launch date. These stories are coming right up. Don't go anywhere. This is the Category 5.TV Newsroom, covering the week's top tech stories with a slight Linux bias. I'm Sasha Rickman, and here are the top stories we're following this week. A ransomware strike took down 23 government agencies in Texas. Early on August 16th, a total of 23 local government organizations in Texas were hit by a coordinated ransomware attack. The type of ransomware has not been revealed, and Texas officials asserted that no state networks were compromised in the attack. A spokesman for the Depart Texas Department of Information Resources, or TDIR, said authorities are not ready to reveal the names of the entities affected, nor other details of the attack. State and federal agencies are in the midst of a response and TDIR did not have information on when, whether any of the affected governmental organizations had chosen to pay the ransom. But the TDIR did reveal that the ransomware came from a single source saying, quote, at this time, the evidence gathered indicates the attacks came from one single threat actor. Investigations into the origin of this attack are ongoing. However, response and recovery are the, prior are the priority at this time. End quote. Response teams from the TDIR, the Texas Division of Emergency Management, Texas Military Department, Department of Public Safety, and the Texas A&M University System Security Operations Center and Critical Incident Response Team have all been involved in the effort to bring systems back online. As federal officials from the Department of Homeland Security, the FBI, FEMA, and other agencies. It's been a bad year for American cities facing ransomware attack. Baltimore is still in the process of recovering, just sending out its first water bill since May and facing $18 million in direct costs and lost revenue. Elsewhere, two Florida cities paid out a total amounting to about $1 million worth of cryptocurrency to regain their oh. data. The Texas attacks are the largest coordinated ransomware attacks seen against multiple local governments, but they're not necessarily the first coordinated attacks. Three school districts in northern Louisiana were hit by ransomware in a single incident in July. It's not clear if the districts shared any network infrastructure. My goodness. Wasn't there like this, I don't know if it's just the movies that I watch, but isn't it like we do not bow to terrorism? Like, is that not... Uh, until the terrorists have all of your stuff. But but it's like they just paid a million dollars to 
random hackers. And the thing is, you can call it targeted, maybe it is, but realistically, ransomware 10 times out of 9 is not targeted. It's just they find exploits and mm -hmm. then they exploit it. So right. how, how is it targeted in a government institution? Usually how it works is that uh, the actual human... Well, no, it starts with a script. The scripts look for exploits on the web. So these are unpatched Windows systems, routers that have uh, default passwords, things like that. Once it finds one, it then tries to compromise and it will notify the person who's attacking, the, the individual, mm -hmm. hey, I found one. Here's the credentials, you can log in. They'll log in and then they'll figure out, hey, they have 200 computers or they have 10,000 computers. Oh, look at this, I'm, right. in, I'm into the school board. So what do they do? They then sell that information, that login information. Well, sometimes they'll install a couple things first to make sure that they have guaranteed their access. Right? Then. Just so that you don't, you know, don't make it too easy for them to patch it. Um, and then they sell it on the dark web. Like, let's sell that information. So is it targeted? Well, kind of, but it started with you have unpatched systems. Mm -hmm. And then it became targeted when they realized what they had found what they had been able to compromise and then sell it to the next highest bidder and then that bidder is the one who says okay i'm going to try to make a million dollars i'm going to encrypt all these files over the weekend right yeah unfortunately it seems to be like the new norm we kind of started to fall into complacency there for about six months leading up to about three weeks ago <laughs> i mean unless you're in the states you know working for the government it, it's really it, it had tapered off for a while it was really bad 2017 2018 2019 has not seen as much like it seems like it has tapered off maybe people have gotten wise and patched their systems and so maybe that but now more exploits come out we've talked about hey patch your systems because microsoft has already revealed that there are newly found exploits that are in the wild that can be compromised. So, hey, if they didn't patch their systems, call it targeted if you want. It's not targeted. They're just not patched. Right. So, but that said, okay, so we fell into complacency thinking, hey, things have tapered off. No, now it's back on the rise again. We're seeing multiple ransomware attacks, uh, even in small communities, every single week. And, uh, and that's a really dangerous thing. And and the truth of the matter is, when you're desperate, you're going to end up paying the ransom. Like, you're desperate. I hope not. I hope not, too. But at the all. same time, if, I, if all of my business was based on the fact that I needed oh, I know. access what to other that choice information. Uh. Yeah. And there's another side to this where you're naming off all these agencies that are working with them to recover. Mm -hmm. And I just went through a ransomware attack. And it's like, where are these agencies to help me? I didn't personally. One of my customers did. Right. And, and it was up to me to, to remedy it for them. Well, they didn't pay the ransom. They paid my hourly wage. and that's, Which was less than the ransom. It was less than the ransom, but, but still a hefty fine. Right. Um, but, um, but the fact is, is that you know, that was my, my burden, my stress to deal with it mm -hmm. throughout the process because backups were not what they should have been and, and, and so on. So, um, but they've got these massive <laughs> industries that will come in and, and help them recover. Right. But, but we can't get backwards and, and you can't pay these folks. Oh, I know. But it's a really hard thing. Look, look for volume shadow copies if you ever get hit. Um, another thing that's really interesting not to take too much time, I know you want to move on, but if I can give you one tip, 
this is a really interesting fact. And as soon as I say it, I think, I think that the malicious parties that are watching are going to be, oh, we need to fix that. Uh, volume shadow copies are like copies of your files that you can revert to the previous version right. on Windows. Okay. okay. Very, very handy if you have them and you need to revert go back in time. So if you have volume shadow copies and you ha get ha hacked or hit by ransomware, sometimes, well, if you have a volume shadow copy, you can go back to the previous version of the file and you can do it on a whole drive. Oh, so you can just undo the damage just like that. Um, but these days the malicious parties are getting smart and they're um, removing the volume shadow copies from the computer. Oh. This particular instance, the hacker, whoever coded it, only remove volume shadow copies from C, from the oh. C drive. So the interesting fact about that is if your system drive or your data drive is not C, C colon in Windows, yeah. like if it was D or Z or P or whatever. You'd still have it. it, it may have, you may have still had the volume shadow copies. The data would have still been encrypted, but they didn't think to delete the volume shadow copies from any drive other than C. Right. Now, that's only the case of the particular malware that I was dealing with. That was a really stupid bonehead mistake on the, on the part of the hacker. But it gave me an opportunity to restore some of the networking because there were volume shadow copies of the mounted volumes. Right. Right. So it was a whole different scenario. So, uh, so watch out for that. Volume shadow copies could be your friend. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> Walmart is suing Tesla's energy division after solar panels on seven of its stores caught fire. Walmart's legal team alleged that the firm was negligent in how it installed the panels on the roofs of the stores. Court documents describe a string of fires that occurred between 2012 and 2018 at Walmart locations in Ohio, Maryland, and California. The first fire occurred at a Walmart store in Long Beach, California in 2012. Another in Beaver Creek, Ohio in March 2018 saw customers evacuated and the store closed for eight days. Oh. The court documents say, quote, to state the obvious, properly designed, installed, inspected, and maintained solar systems do not spontaneously combust, end quote. Walmart is asking Tesla to remove solar panels from all of its stores and to pay damages. Tesla's share price fell on news of the Walmart lawsuit, which was filed in the New York State Supreme Court last Tuesday. That is such a cry and shame. It puts a uh, real negative spin on solar panels, doesn't it? Because right. And now I'm thinking of putting solar panels on the roof of the house, and it's like, I don't want my house to catch fire. I, oh, I don't think solar panels are that dangerous. I mean, I realize that maybe sure. Tesla had seven stores with solar panels catch fire. And I realize that that's a tragedy and being closed for eight days is bad. And I don't want to diminish the fact that I'm sure that there was damage. I think that the pros outweigh the cons as far as solar panels go. These things can't, like this, like they, how long, I, I want to know how long were they installed for? Right. That's, or, I guess, the question, the, the burning question. Because in the statement from Walmart, they said properly maintained. Well, were you properly maintaining it? Right. I, know, I know customers who say they've been properly maintaining their server and they're using an EOL version of server. Right. Like, could, could lightning have hit it? Could, could yeah. that have been the case? I don't know. Seven You'd stores? think they'd have a lightning tower or some tree nearby that's a bit taller than the building. I would like to know how many stores Tesla has solar panels on. Because yeah. seven stores doesn't seem like a huge number. It feels... Yeah, was it just a trial? Like, were there, were were there, there eight stores and seven of them caught on fire? Right. Or was it millions of stores? 
Yeah. See, know? my neighbor two doors down has solar panels all over their entire roof. Their entire yeah. roof. And they don't never look scared. It doesn't yeah. look like it's going to burn. I'm yeah. not scared. They're not scared. I feel like... I, I feel like this story is weird to me because... Yes. This is what I'm feeling. Like, is this our advantage at Category 5 TV that we can have this conversation in the news and say, is, is media hyping this? Is media making it sound like this is a bigger deal than it is and, and it's affecting stocks of Tesla who are, like, making a, a world of difference? Yeah, Tesla is trying really, really hard. Really guys. hard. Well, I'm not going to even go there, but I just... I feel like stop picking on Tesla. And, and th- this is the fact. They're not giving all the facts. They're not giving you all the details. They're not yeah. saying, okay, there were, there were actually 2,000 stores. There were actually, you know, these ones, they, they decided to have a local company install them instead of Tesla. Right. We don't know these things. Were yeah. they official installers? The state of the roof were they was maintained? in disrepair. Yeah. Or, you know, it could be anything. Maybe it was a flat roof and it flooded a bit and it shorted something out. Was Some. it sabotage? Right. Um, all these things. So don't, let's not lose hope in the technology. Right. And the, the fact that this can make a, a whole world of good uh, for, for, like, emissions. Right. Hey, we can tap into the sun. I it am makes all us juice. about green power. Like, yeah. wind, sun, anything you can do to make it so that you're not just digging up fossil fuels and burning them. Yeah, we, we spoke with Anusha Eskuyan about uh, um, her technology at her company, Ship and Shore Environmental. And in that discussion, she mentioned how they can convert emissions into the heat for the building and water heating and things like that. How cool is that? And now, okay, so solar panels, yeah, we can power things. We can generate heat. We can, we can heat the pool. We can heat the water of, that you're using to wash your hands and have a shower. Right. Like, these are all things that can be done through just the sun. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, yeah. don't lose hope. Don't, yeah. Don't let media hype it. Don't listen to this story. <laughs> listen to the conversation, to the conversation after. after where we put it straight. <laughs> exactly. Yes, and comment below and tell us. How right we are. How right we are. I would really appreciate that. Just once in a while, YouTube, just, just tell us how right we're, we are. We are right, and you agree. <laughs> okay. Researchers have found 85 Google Play apps with more than 8 million combined downloads that forced users to view full-screen ads. The apps, which posed as photography and gaming programs, contained a family of adware that was highly disruptive to end users. Once installed, the apps displayed ads in full screen, a setting that forced users to view the entire duration of an ad before being able to close the window or to get back into the app. The apps showed an ad every five minutes, but the people operating the platform had the ability to remotely change the frequency. The adware used several tricks to evade detection and removal. A half an hour after being installed, for instance, an app would hide its icon and create a shortcut on the device home screen. Hiding the icon prevented the apps from being uninstalled by dragging and dropping the icon to the uninstall section of the device screen. Android 8 and later versions require user confirmation before an app can create a shortcut, but even if users of these versions didn't agree, the icon would nonetheless remain hidden. Trend Micro, who made the discovery, privately reported the apps to Google, and Google then removed the apps from play. 
So okay. good they were removed. Yeah, and I, I, and I did hear as well that some of these apps were objectionable. So the problem with that is like, okay, my kids use the phone all the time. Right. They install apps. You know, we let them install games and stuff, and only the free ones, right? Mm-hmm. And you have a certain amount of trust. And we do have a certain amount of trust in Google Play and the App Store and, and trust that, hey, these things have been tested for any kind of malware. And, and they do get through the cracks sometimes because hackers are clever. That is tr- Advertisers are clever. They're getting paid for it's – it's not free. That is tricky business, hiding yeah. the icon. You know how many times I've had like immediate <laughs> oh, I remorse? That. I download an app and I'm like, what have I done? Uh-huh. Uninstall. Um, how horrible. Look, usually how do I remove the LG stuff? All the <laughs> garbage that it comes with. I know. Um, how horrible would it be if then you couldn't remove it at all, right? Yeah. Oh. Or you don't even see it. So you don't even know it's running in the background. It just, I- it's not even there. Oh, it's hidden. That's dirty, guys. Uh, don't don't be doing that. Yeah. Mario Kart Tour was supposed to be available in March 2019 until Nintendo delayed its release to give it a bit more polish. And now the gaming giant is finally ready to roll out and has announced an official launch, launch date. The Mario Kart Tour website even shows that pre-registrations are now open for both Android and iOS users so they can be notified as soon as the game is ready to download. But the official word is Mario Kart Tour will be available on your smartphone September 25th. The game is free to start, which means players will have to decide whether to spend money on microtransactions to unlock features and perhaps even characters. Nintendo has promised to release more details about the game as its release date approaches. And some people give a a hard time to Nintendo over, like, this freemium model. Right. right? But anyone who who owns a Nintendo Switch, like, you already know that, like, that's the way Nintendo has been for some time. Right. It's like, hey, yeah, we'll let you play for free, but if you want to tap into... My daughter was concerned today because (laughs) she had accidentally spawned about a billion sheep in her Minecraft world. And it was crashing, and she couldn't get back in and everything. She's like, I don't have a Nintendo account, so I can't back it up. Oh, oh. you, you got to pay 50 bucks for that Nintendo account, right? Right. So it's like it, the, the infrastructure is already there. That's how they do things, and it makes sense. Well, you have to make money. Yes. So you have to pay. But I guess phone users are not really used to that model. Like the right. play, PlayStation Online, yeah, you're used to it. Yeah. Nintendo, is it called Nintendo Online, I think? Um, you're used to it. So if I were to give a child my phone, mm-hmm. how easy is it to actually do these microtransactions? That's like, the thing, yeah. Oh, right? did I ever tell you how that happened when I first got a Android TV set-top box? No. I lo- you log into your Google account. Okay. And your Google account is associated with your credit card. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I got notifications. I'm sitting at my desk. And I kept getting, my phone was buzzing in my pocket, and I pulled it out, and it was like email after email, $1, one $1, $1, $1, $1, $500 plus. Who was that? And so I, I called Becca, my wife, and I said, I said, turn off the TV, <laughs> whatever. And she's like, but Zach, Zach, my son is playing a game. I said, turn it off now. <laughs> it was just racking up. He apparently was sitting there in some race car game where you can like push the button over and over and over again to increase your, your power of the car or something. And, and 
it's taken a dollar at a time to do this. Oh my goodness. I hope, he, I hope he won that race. <laughs> <laughs> they were great about it. Amazon, um, because it, I think this was actually an Amazon. No, it was. It wasn't Google. It was an Amazon, it was Amazon? Fire Stick. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's how it happened. It was my Amazon account. So I contacted Amazon. They reversed it. It was no problem. You're but like, oh, it was a real learning time. experience. So then I started adding my password to every device that I share with the kids. Right. You've got to do it. So parents, yeah. Yeah. with this new game, right? Like you'll, You want to watch out for that. You'll for sure want to. Pocophone F1s, I love it. has, it has uh, second space. So I have my own profile for everything. And then I have a second one that has just the games for the kids. And, and I use that profile when I do, now I use it when I do demonstrations on the air, oh, okay. because then if my wife messages me and it pops up like private messages, it doesn't show up on the air, which we've had happen before, right. all her romantic messages as we're on the air. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a cool feature. So turn on the password protection anyway, should, should protect you. Uh, I want to take a quick look at our cryptocurrency market as of 1800 hours, Wednesday, August 28th, 2019. Um, Bitcoin. Bitcoin is down quite a bit, $405, uh, down to $9,676.28. Facebook Libra is holding steady at zero That's because right. it's not actually trading yet, but one day we're going to find that it is trading and uh, that will be exciting. Litecoin is also down. Everything's down this week. Um, $66.40 is the, uh, the fiat value of that in US dollars. Ethereum is down at 172.01, Monero at 72.13, Turtlecoin is at 0.49 ten thousandths of a cent. And another um, coin that has lost a lot, we've called it Stellite, mm. and then they changed their name to Torque. And then they were doing quite well. This week they've lost another 0.56 ten thousandths of a cent, so they basically cut the coin in half. And are you ready for this? They've changed their name again. Oh, goodness. I don't know what they're doing, but Scala is the name of the coin They're the now. cryptocurrency formerly known as. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So you go to Stellite, and it says it's now called Torque. And then you go to Torque, and it's now called Scala. Scala. But Torque was doing really well, and then Scala is now, you know, I don't know if people have lost confidence in it. because. And you know what? It could also be it's a pain in the butt when they change their coin so much. Right. Because if I'm mining, if I'm crypto mining... I have to reinstall and reconfigure everything and install the new crypto miner, install the new wallets and everything. It's like, oh, you know what? I'm just moving on to a different coin. Turtle coin has been pretty stable and, uh, and it's another micro coin. They should have kept it at Torque. That's a solid name. I think it's just another case of they probably found a company that said we already own that tra trademark. Maybe they should start Googling <laughs> the names that they come up with. I got an idea. Let's call it uh, Tesla. Right. You know? Yeah. And that's your coin. So. I can tell you, I will put money on the fact that when Facebook come, the Facebook Libre, yeah. it'll have to gain its first week. You can't go below <laughs> it's zero. It's going up. It's going to go up, up first folks. week whenever it happens. Yep. So invest now. Oh, wait, you can't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Big thanks to Roy W. Nash and our community of viewers for submitting stories to us this week. Thanks for watching the Category 5.TV newsroom. Don't forget to like and subscribe for all your tech news with a slight Linux bias. And for more free content, be sure to check out our website. From the Category 5.TV newsroom, I'm Sasha Rickman. And I'm Robbie Ferguson. Hey, stick around. I have a Linux tool that is going to blow your mind for the Linux terminal. Don't go anywhere.
Sasha, what is the weather like today? I don't know. What's it going to be like tomorrow? Mm, I also don't know. What's it going to be like at the CN Tower? Because I want to go there. Right? Like, these are all very valid questions. It's true. You can ask your Amazon Echo or your Google Home Mini. Yes. But wouldn't it be nice to be able just to log in SSH into your Linux server? Yes. Uh, Or maybe just hit Control-Alt-F1, log into your, your TTY1, and, like, in the Linux terminal, find out what is the weather forecast. And, sure, you could probably get, like, JSON output. You could get, like, some kind of textual representation that, you know, uses Cowsay to put the current forecast in a word balloon or something like that. Right. But let's take it one step further with weather forecasts like you've never seen them before in the Linux terminal. Well, why does it matter, Robbie? Well, sometimes you're standing at a server and you don't have access to X and you want to be able to bring up the weather forecast. Right. right? Or maybe you want to script this into your script. Maybe you want to make it your message of the day so that right. every time you log in, it gives you the weather forecast and the current conditions. Right. Maybe you want to cover Sometimes it. you just want to know some really cool things you can do in your Linux terminal. Like, you know. Yeah, that's exactly why we're doing this, folks. So, <laughs> all right, I'm going to jump over to my Linux terminal right now. The service is called WTTR.in. I'm going to use curl, so I'm going to go apt install curl. Notice I am root. Did you make note of that? I did make note of that. So I logged in as root so that I could do that, or you could use sudo and enter your password. And then enter your password. Yes. Okay. So apt install curl. Hit enter. Oh, look at me. I've already got curl installed. That's fantastic. So with curl, I can download a website or anything like that. But watch what's going to happen if I type curl and then http colon slash slash v2.wttr.in. That's the website. Hit enter. And unlike any terminal-based weather forecast that you have ever seen, let's zoom in a little bit. I'm going to hit control, shift, plus. Look at this. So this is all ASCII-based. Look at that. So now it's giving me a weather report for Creemore, Canada. Where is Creemore, Sasha? Well, it's close. Is it? Yeah, it's about an hour away. An hour? Okay, yeah. so this is probably not the most accurate for me. So let's no. say, uh, well, what if I want to actually see Barry? So I'm going to add a slash, and we're going to say Barry, because that's where I am. So uh, notice I've actually uh, pressed up to... Add that to the URL. So my actual command is curl and then HTTP colon slash slash v2 dot WTR uh, TTR dot IN slash Barry. Hit enter. And what does it do? Look at that. Location. Barry, Simcoe, Ontario, Canada. Nice. Beautiful, right? So there's my forecast. So we've got the conditions. We've got our forecast. What are we looking at? Excellent. Beautiful. Cold overnight. Yes. <laughs> Not too cold. All right. So let's, uh, let's actually, let's say we want to look up. I, I use the example of the CN Tower. Well, let's say I wanted to go to the CN Tower tomorrow. So I really want to know what's the forecast looking like over there. So I'm going to go curl, HTTP colon slash slash, right? V2.wttr.in. V2 being the, the current version. So watch, watch what I'm going to do. I'm just going to hit enter on that. That's the current version. If I change it to V1, the original version, it's going to be like the old like text oh. base. So use V2, okay? It looks beautiful. V1 gets a little bit wonky. So with that, um, right there at the bottom of your screen, v2.wttr.in slash. Now my search query is going to use a tilde. That tells it I want to search. So I'm going to type cn plus 
tower. And the plus is in place of a space. Now hit enter. And it's giving me the forecast for the CN Tower at 301 Front Street West in that Toronto. Is super cool. Isn't that neat? So now, Ooh, okay. Can you check Bonavista, Newfoundland? Sure. You okay. want to do that? Yeah. Oh, I'm going to hit up. And I'm going to go, uh, could I just do, I don't need a search. I'm just going to type Bona Vista. plus Vista. Let's see I if it's it, one word. Is it? Yeah. Um, I think I know. Victoria. It's Let's try Bonavista. Bona Vista. Newfoundland. There you go. Yeah. So there's the forecast for... Bonavista. Very cool. Right? Uh, okay, so let's, let's take it to the next level because I want to script this. I'd oh. like to use this for um, like a, maybe a cron job that automatically downloads the weather and then I can use uh, a widget on my desktop to show it or, or I can write a program to email me if the weather forecast is going to be rain or whatever I yeah. want to do. I, but I need to have some kind of textual output, not this big fancy thing. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to just change my query just a little bit. So I'm going to go, uh, I'm gonna go curl. And with any of those commands, let's actually go up. So Bonavista, right? Yeah. So there's my, my download or my output from Bonavista. Now I'm just going to add a question mark, and then I'm going to type format equals three, okay? And hit enter and watch what happens. Bonavista, the output, Bonavista, mix of sun and cloud with rain. Ah. 15 degrees Celsius. You nice. guys see that? So that is the output in text format. Well, what if I want to know, okay, so I've got a, I've got, I, I want to know Bonavista, I want to know Barry, and I want to know the CN Tower at the same time, because I'm going to be going all those places, right? Yes. So Curl has a really cool feature that we can, can tap into. What yes. is Curl? And I Curl is like a downloading tool for Linux terminal. Like, think wget, but Curl will actually, like, output um, what, what it's given you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, it, it, wget would save it to a file. Mm -hmm. Curl will output it as you're seeing here. Okay. Uh, okay. So with that, so I want to I want to turn this into. Watch my cursor there below the keyboard input. I'm going to turn this into a curl um, command, which oh. is to put braces around this. Oh. Okay. Just around that part. Okay. And now I can do comma separated. So in those braces, the squiggly braces, I can go comma uh, CN plus tower. Oh, I need a tilde there, don't I? Because it's a search, not a city. And comma bury. Okay. Enter. And it's actually going to give me those three forecasts output to my terminal. Now that could be saved to a text file. I could pipe that into a text file, right? Um, and just do that. Just save it to, to a file. Um, that's one thing that I could do. Um, there's really no limit. I mean, you can, hey, get creative with it. Now it how does cool is that? Celsius. Does it also do Fahrenheit? Yes. And in fact, there are so many other customizations. You can change the output format. You can change the way it looks. You can do all kinds of stuff with this. Um, and the best way to do that and to learn like some of those various features is to actually jump onto the GitHub because mm -hmm. it is open source as well. So this, the web service is fully hosted, um, but the open source code can be found at github.com slash chubbin. C-H-U-B-I-N, or Chubin, um, slash W-T-T-R dot I-N. And when you go there, just scroll down a little ways, and there's the full documentation. It's about 300 pages of just, here's all this stuff you can customize. It's brilliant. <laughs> it is amazing. And uh, he's doing some fantastic work. So uh, check that out. That is super cool. Just a little tip 
for your uh, Linux terminal. A little way to spice things up. That's all the time that we have, though. Sasha. Yes. You were going to talk about Patreon. Yes. Yeah. If you enjoy our show, please stand with us and pitch in as little or as much as you can through our Patreon. Every person who becomes a patron men- member helps us grow and gets access to some pretty neat perks. Sign up today at patreon.com slash category five. And thank you to those of you who have chosen to do so. We appreciate it so very much. Um, Now it's more important than ever. We're coming up on season 13, if you can believe it. Um, So please consider um, jumping onto our Patreon, and we'd appreciate that very, very much. Uh, That's all the time. As I mentioned, um, don't forget to subscribe to us on YouTube. Um, get us um, on like Roku, Kodi, Plex. And uh, also you can just go to our website, category5.tv is a great way to find all of our videos. And if you scroll down to the bottom, you can click on subscribe and see other ways that you can, uh, that you can get mm-hmm. our content as well. And it's absolutely free. So enjoy. We give it to you. There's BitTorrent too. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. You can download the entire season all the yeah. way up to now. Right, like from the dawn from season of time. One, season on. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11 are available on BitTorrent. So Goodness. you can download each individual one. Once season 12 is done, which is uh, about four weeks away, It'll be season there 12 will be there as well. So keep that in mind. All right, folks, take care. <laughs>